Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. Jim Evans here for day three of the MMA Gym podcast. It's UFC 246 Fight Week. And as always, this podcast is sponsored by OwnBet, ohmbet.co.uk. These guys are the UK's number one MMA sports book. They have a number of markets uh, for the uh, big main event this weekend featuring Conor McGregor versus Donald Cerrone at the T-Mobile Arena here in Las Vegas. So as I said, this is episode three. If you missed the first two episodes this week, Go back and check them out. In the first episode, I kind of lay out the plan for the week and the schedule and what I'm expecting here for Fight Week here in Vegas. And on episode two yesterday, I got to speak to UK MMA legend Brad Pickett, who gave me his breakdown of the fight between McGregor and Cerrone. So today, I am joined by one of my good friends and one of the leading sports journalists, I would say, in Canada, TSN's own Aaron Bronstetter. He is here, of course, covering the fights this week and has got some pretty amazing access already. It's Wednesday that I'm speaking here to Aaron, and he's already spoken to both McGregor and Serena. So, uh, Aaron, thanks so much for doing this. You're welcome. It's actually one of the leading sports journalists on planet Earth. But just a correction. In the universe, maybe. Yeah, yeah, the universe. Right. Planet Earth is a little bit too restrictive. I thought I'd give you the big one, though. Like, we don't get to see a lot of the Canadian press here in the UK and, uh, I guess, across uh, the rest of Europe. So, um, I thought I'd give you the big up straight off the bat. Sure. I, I appreciate that. As I mentioned, Aaron, you, you got to speak to both sides of the main event yesterday. Um, and I, wanna, I want you to tell me, let's start off with Connor because we're always going to start off with Connor. What were your key takeaways from that kind of 20 minutes I believe you got with him yesterday, one-on-one? -on -one? He was very, very engaged. Um, it's hard to know how dialed in he is at any point in time because he just always seems like he's dialed in. But he was very, very, um, he was on if that makes sense, in terms of how he dealt with the media, in terms of how he dealt with everybody. He was uh, very uh, kind with his time. He was running on time. He did leave to go and change into a suit. He really had to change. That, 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 <laughs> yeah, that kept us kind of waiting. He, well, he was on time by Connor's standards, about 10, 15 minutes late. Right. But um, he, he then left to go put on a suit to do the interviews. He was in his training gear. He sat down and he was like, wait a second, I should put it. I guess he probably saw my nice suit and then decided he was going to put on his, his suit. So um, he went and got changed, did uh, a couple interviews, and yeah, I got about 10 minutes with him and a lot of eye contact, very, very engaging, really good answers, really thoughtful answers mm. and opened up some windows to his mindset that I don't think he had done previously. So I was happy to get uh, a lot of those answers from him. Now, you know, Ariel did an interview with him that was about 45 mm. minutes in length earlier in the week. So I didn't want to ask questions that I knew the answers to. That's always my mantra when I'm doing an interview is if I know the answer to a question, there's no point in asking it because the listener will likely know the answer as well. If somebody sees my interview with Connor, they've probably watched Ariel's interview. He, you know, he's the biggest name in terms of MMA media right now, um, and he's on ESPN. So he's got a bigger platform than me, a bigger net. So I have to go into this interview assuming that everybody's watched that interview already. Mm. So what new information can I unlock from Connor McGregor? What did you get? Well, one thing that interested me is I asked him about his camp with Khabib yep. and how it went off the rails. And he said that in his mind, after Brooklyn happened, he had already won. Like, it, the fight was kind of secondary in terms of his beef with Khabib, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. he, he came down from Ireland, he went, he threw a thing at the bus, and at that point in time, if Khabib didn't get off that bus and come after him and fight him, I guess, the old-fashioned way, that that was a victory for him. 
that was his mindset. And then when the camp rolled around for Khabib, he kind of felt like, again, this is his words, not mine. Mm. He kind of felt that he had already won. So he didn't take the camp as seriously. And then as it started to, the distractions started to seep in, he became, you know, more and more distracted and, you know, it got worse and worse. Mm. And um, eventually he got injured, he said, you know, prior to the fight. You know, you get injured if you're not working on a routine. And from all indications, it seems like he's been really on schedule for this event. He's been showing up when he needs to. He's been training when he wants to. Yeah. Um, and in addition to that, it looks like he's taking all of his media obligations seriously. Mm. He's not closing the media out like he has done sometimes in the past. He's being open. He's actually going to be at media day doing a scrum. Crazy. First yeah. time since Dennis Siva fight. Yeah. So that's, that's a long time ago. Yeah, pretty much uncharted territory for him in the last what, four years, something along yep. those lines. Maybe even longer. So uh, it seems like he really has a vested interest in, in selling this fight. And when he talked to Ariel about the amount of money that he was looking to make, a lot of that is based on incentives on global pay-per-view. Canada, Australia, UK. Mm. I know it's on box office. That's something that everybody enjoys in the UK. Um, so Don't go there. So I think, don't go there. <laughs> so I think that uh, he's very incentivized to, to try to make as much as he can on this particular fight and it's a big fight it's a big um, sellable fight mm. and I think you can get that sense just from looking at the rest of the card they didn't stack this card they know that Connor's you know gonna do the legwork here and it seems like he's got that perspective that he's going to do that legwork to make the money speaking to people like yourself the guys from BT Sport who I spoke to last night who also got time with them yesterday everyone's coming up with pretty much the same line of he seems different he seems like he's different to previous fight weeks and they kind of they, they're believing the fact that he's put in the work this time that he's not drinking that he's that he's got his mind back on mma but one thing i'm just being a bit cautious of we look before the the mayweather fight for instance where he did pretty much the same sales job and the habib fight i'd love to go back in time to put myself back in fight week did i were there any signs that i should have seen of actually this isn't quite right or has he just pulled the same shtick every single fight week and I think that's why I don't know I'm not I'm not fully on, on board with he's back and back in the in the way that he was you know, like in 2016 when he was on the rise yeah it's hard to know because this guy can sell a fight like no other and he can sell you on the fact that he's going to win mm. I mean the line for the like think about this let's put this into perspective and this is I guess you guys are sponsored by a betting pot, by a <laughs> betting site Mayweather versus McGregor the line at fight time had gotten as low as Mayweather minus 250. Wow. Now, against Andre Berto, a boxer, an Olymp- I, think he, I think Berto might have been in the Olympics. I don't know. I, I, I'm not a big boxing aficionado. But a legitimate boxer, Andre Berto, Mayweather was minus 3,000 against. His next fight against <laughs> Conor McGregor, he's minus 250. You can get it as, as good of a price as minus 250 in a boxing match against the best boxer of this generation, against an, a guy who was a 0-0 zero zero as a professional. Mm-hmm. You could have gotten minus 250 because Connor's gift of gab is so good. So good. That he can sell you on the fact that he's already won the fight. And that's the way it seems from this particular fight is nobody's talking about the matchup. The matchup is completely secondary here. They're talking about how Connor's going to win this fight, that he's going to fight two more times this year, he's going to get the Khabib rematch, maybe he'll fight Masvidal. That's the narrative. And it's a narrative that I think is very disrespectful to Donald Cerrone. But also one that's happened in the past. It's not something new where you hear Conor McGregor talk about how he's going to face Jose Aldo. You know, he's going to beat Dennis Seaver and face Jose Aldo. He's going to, then he's going to beat Aldo. He's going to be a two-division champion. He's always thinking two steps ahead. But he's conditioned 
everybody else to do the same. He's conditioned everybody else to buy into what he's saying because he's so confident in what he's saying and he's so determined and so matter of fact that you you know you're not encountered with people like this on, on a day-to-day -day basis that can do this are it's a you, special trait are you bought into it are you on do you, do you believe what he said to you yesterday well you know what they say fool, uh, fool me once shame on me fool me twice shame on you yeah I don't want to George W. Bush this thing do you remember George W. Bush yeah like, we do know George yeah, W. Yeah. He, his quote was like shame if you fool me once shame on me if you, you, you fool me twice, you're not going to fool me again. That, yeah. that was his quote. I hope I got the quote right. I but, know. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. He fooled me a little bit with Mayweather. Now, I, like I, I, I knew in the back of my head, like he's not going to win this. It's yeah. a boxing match. No, no disrespect to him, but it's just. And then with Khabib, like you look at the matchup, and it's just that it's one way traffic for Khabib. Yeah. Like Khabib is a bad matchup for everyone, just about everyone, but especially those who don't have a wrestling background of some sort, some sort of wrestling pedigree. Um. And that's been proven time and time and time again. And even those who do have a good wrestling category, he's been able to manhandle. So when you take all of that into consideration, like you, you look at the matchup, you, I mean, you should know where the money should be coming in. It should be coming in the other way. But because he's so good at, at saying this, he blinds you to the actual matchup itself. So that's not me saying that I don't think he's going to win this fight. I think that there's a very good chance he wins this fight. But I just don't want to get blinded by the smoke and mirrors. I want to look at the matchup objectively. I want to pretend that Conor McGregor's name is John Thomas and that Cowboy Cerrone's name is Steve Michaels. And, and you don't know, like, you don't know anything about these people as individuals just from a style standpoint and a matchup standpoint and look at it from that perspective and not get kind of taken in by all of the histrionics behind it. Yeah, the, the only thing I would add to that before we talk about the actual fight itself because I, I think that is very interesting like I say it's being totally overlooked is there's just some cracks in the story and some of the the shtick I should say that Connor's giving so when he's saying that he's he's been on a severe MMA this weekend like the famous Irish um, outlet who came up with him kind of through the ranks yes, and, Sean Sheehan yeah Shout Sean out. Sheehan got a great exclusive with him and he he pleaded with Sean who's sat in Dublin, in, in Ireland, sorry if you're not in Dublin, but you're in Ireland, and he can, he, he can sense the kind of uh, perception of Connor, and kind of still of the, the, the opinion that everyone at home still supporting, which is totally wrong. So there, there's, there's a crack in his philosophy there. And then he goes on about how he's been training for four, like, what did he say, like four months for this? Mm -hmm. Which yeah. is totally untrue. Mm -hmm. It's totally untrue. And the, the amount of time that he's been sober keeps changing as well yeah. in terms of his story. There's just a few cracks in the storyline. So there's, um, like you say, it's not going to be relevant when, when we come to the cage on Saturday night. So let's look at it objectively from a stylistic matchup. But I guess you've also got to take into consideration the time off McGregor's had as well. Heading into the cage on Saturday night, who do you favor from that perspective? Like, I guess, the, the actual fight itself. Well, let's go down the list. This is what I did on, on my podcast, the TSN MMA show. I'll plug it right here. But, do it. Um, I went down the list trait for trait. And I'm going to ask you these same questions. So let's start with punching, punching precision, punching power. Who's got the advantage? I mean, I think it's a pretty obvious answer. It's Connor. Kicks. Serrani. Probably Serrani. Uh, probably. 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 Look, most head kick finishes in UFC history. Yeah. Muay Thai background. Yeah. Grappling. Uh, see, mm, you know, I, I think um, I'm definitely going to say Cerrone because I've seen it in practice. He's won like that, you know, 
first one springs to mind is the submission of Mike Perry not so long ago. Yeah. Took his arm home. I will say, and I, maybe I'm being shrouded by the cloud of um, McGregor promotion. I don't think his grappling is as bad as we all think it is. Yeah, I think he's competent. I, I, agree. I agree with that. I don't I think, think he's dangerous, that time but I think again. he's competent. I agree with you, and, and we've seen that time and time again. The Habib um, fight, he did well. He defensively for a very long time in that fight, he did pretty well. But there's a huge difference, and I mean, if Cerrone yeah. is being honest and saying he's going to stand with him, then I I don't like his chances. Honestly, I don't think that he's. I think that he's. He's taking away a really important facet of his own game that mm. could really give him an advantage. Because if you watch Cerrone's takedowns, it's all timing. He's not the kind of guy that's going to shoot out of nowhere. No. That's Khabib's thing. Like, Khabib is, is a volume wrestler. Yep. He's a chain wrestler. Yep. So if, you're, if you, you know what's coming with him, Cerrone is a timing guy. So if you miss a, if you miss a punch, if he, if he telegraphs it, he's going to take you down. He's going to seize the moment and take you down. Now, what people say before fights, you kind of have to take with a grain of salt. But he's—I said to him yesterday, "Are you yeah, emphatically saying you're not going to take him down?" And uh, you know, he said, "He's watch. I'm going to stand with him." I'm thinking, like, well, he said Cowboy the same. Says it, he might be—he might be telling the truth because Cowboy doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that's, that's mm-hmm. going to play these kind of mind games. But you never know. And I said to him, like, maybe instincts kick in or whatever. But so be that as it may, wrestling—you have to give the Cerrone. I think submission grappling, Cerrone, Cerrone. Size. I'm, I'm like I don't even like the f- if he, if Connor comes anywhere close to being the same size of him. I think that's a huge disadvantage. Mm-hmm. He shouldn't be carrying that weight. We know that as well. Yeah, but I'm talking stature, size, stature. Yeah, Cerrone, right? He's longer. I would. I don't know the actual reach stats. I'd be yeah. interested to see them. But I would imagine just through Connor's got a longer reach in terms of arms, but arms. reach. Okay. But that that's a measurable um, that is kind of flawed because. Legs yeah. matter a lot in reach too because you can close for sure better. Um, and then you look at cardio. Yeah, based on what we know, it's got to be Cerrone. Um, and then we look at 170 pounds. Who are the people that have knocked out Cerrone at 170 pounds? Mm. Jorge Masvidal. Jorge Masvidal was the one knocking everybody out. And Darren Till, who was probably outweighing him by 25 yeah. pounds on Till was probably like 220 pounds yeah. that night. So. People talk about his chin and how he's chinny. Yeah. He's gotten knocked out by Justin Gaethje, Jorge Masvidal, Darren Till. Like, these are guys that should knock you out. Yeah. And it's not that Conor can't knock him out. Conor should knock him out. But we've also seen Conor at 170 pounds hit Diaz over and over and over again and him not go down for the most part. In the second fight, I think he mm. got knocked down. Um, but the punching power is not, not going to be something that's abnormal. Like, for featherweights, it was abnormal when you got hit by Conor McGregor. Oh, that was, that was where the punching power was in his advantage to a, to a large extent. Mm-hmm. But like you say there, you're, you're 100% correct. So at welterweight, when it was Diaz, he's in camp. He had momentum. He literally lost that fight. They went straight back into camp. He, had, he still had that, that hours in the gym, the rounds. So now what we're saying is, and you've come to this point brilliantly, is at welterweight, his timing and his precision has got to be so on point. Mm-hmm. Right. But and, that, and even if it was the Alvarez fight, he wasn't, he, it wasn't a one-punch knockout for Alvarez. Nope. And that's at 55. So now we're talking about at 175, where, where Cowboy has faced bigger guys with bigger punching power. He fought Rick Story. He fought, he's, he's taken shots from these guys. So for people that suddenly think Cerrone's chinny, I think, is flawed, he didn't get knocked out no. by Tony Ferguson. It was a doctor stoppage. Yep. Gaethje knockout, legit. 100% legit. But Gaethje's a, a monster. Yeah. Um... So I think that that's something that's being a narrative that's being a little bit overplayed as well. Yeah. So when you look at things and you look at the measurables and you look at category by category, you, you have to think that Cerrone has a lot of advantages in this fight. Now, again, if this fight's an even money fight and I'm picking one guy and you say, mm. you've got to give me a pick. 
Conor McGregor, I think, has what it takes to put Cerrone away in, in the early rounds. And there's this other thing that people are saying where, like, if it ends in the early rounds, it's going to be Conor. If it ends in the late rounds, it's going to be Cerrone. I don't really buy into that either. I don't. No. Because I think that you, if, it, if it ends in the early matches, you can give the advantage to Conor. And if it ends in the late rounds, you can give the advantage to Cerrone. But Cerrone's finished a lot of guys in the first and second round. And we've seen Conor now go five rounds with Nate Diaz at 170. And he knows that he does need to manage his cardio. And also, he lost to Mayweather in what was it, the 10th round. 10th round, yeah. But th- that's a boxing match. And 30 that's, minutes, that's, that's right. 30 minutes. And he did tire, sure. But again, he's, he's fighting one of the best like boxers of all time. Mm. Who should hypothetically run circles around him, right? So... It, it makes sense for him to get both mentally and physically exhausted by that. So these are the kind of things where everybody always thinks they know what they're talking about with fights. Yeah. Until the fight actually happens, we don't really know anything. We don't know what they're going to be like on Saturday night. We can we take the information we have and we try to process it and we try to come up with the best scenarios and we picture it in our mind how it's going to play out. Most of the time, I'm picturing Connor hitting him with that left and, and he goes down. But then I watch Cerrone tape, and you, I think like if he if he throws a head kick and it hits and it hits Connor, even if Connor blocks it, we've seen this happened in the past where it wobbles people, and and if it goes to the ground at all, Cerrone is so crafty on the ground. He's not the kind of guy that's going to lay on top of you. He's going to attack and he's going to go for mm. the kill. There are just a lot of different intangibles in this fight that I don't think a lot of people are considering, and I think that that's why when you look at this fight and you look at it objectively there are a lot of advantages for Donald Cerrone in this particular spot and that from a matchup standpoint I actually think Cerrone is a worse matchup for Conor than Justin Gaethje as crazy as that sounds you know what you're getting with Gaethje you know what you're getting with Gaethje you know that you can hit Gaethje and it's not a great thing like I, I, I can't think of anything worse than fighting Justin but Gaethje but I will say that Gaethje is a higher risk fight than, yeah. than Donald Cerrone because if you lose to Gaethje you look terrible like Gaethje will make you look it will embarrass you and I don't and I think Cowboy still has the same potential to do that, but not in the kind of way where you look at how Gaethje beats people and it's like you take a beating. Yeah. You take a beating whether you beat him or not. Yeah. But, so I think this is, you know, in essence a safer fight for Conor. And I think from, and I don't think Conor had really any say in this opponent. I don't think they said like, do you want to fight Gaethje or do you want to fight Cerrone? I don't think, I honestly think that the UFC just said, this is the fight to make right now. Cowboy's got popularity. He, he's um, probably, he's coming off losses. If we, if, if, if you still have it, you should beat this guy. I think you're 100% correct, because I think there's five other guys that McGregor could have fought, and I'm probably going to struggle to list them off now, but it's Jorge Masvidal, Kamaru Usman, Diaz 3, Habib Namagamoto free match, or Justin Gaethje. Mm-hmm. I personally would have booked Diaz 3. All of those were a much tougher match, yeah, right? I, I mean, I personally would have booked Diaz 3. I think that would have been but a better fight. If you're it. from the UFC, who do you trust, and you throw in Donald Sreden, so that's now a pool of six, out of all of those six people who he could possibly have fought, who would you put all your chips on in beating? Yeah, right. Cerrone, right? Yeah, this, if, this if, is if why you're, you're going to if you're going to make a fight that is legitimate on paper because Cerrone's ranked, I think, fifth in the division, um, and and you're going to do that, I think that that makes the most sense. I don't know why Conor wanted to do it at 170. Honestly, I think that it, I think that that to me could be the X factor in this yeah. fight. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to put this out on social media because I'm going to do a, a, a quick graphic of what this season. It's I think it's so obvious what's going to happen here. Cerrone, if he beats Cerrone, he'll fight that they will know out of that pool of five. They've got to put all their chips in again because like he could he could very much lose to any of those people. So mm-hmm. who's the biggest fight out of the pool of five left? I think if he beats Cerrone, you need to start thinking more from a promotional standpoint rather than 
um, uh, who's he going to beat at that point? I think it's... I no, think, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, I think I would do I, Masvidal next. Masvidal, because yeah. it's the biggest fight. He could yeah. lose to any of those fights, so we've got to place him against the biggest fight, which is Masvidal. Mm-hmm. And then, like, oh my God, if he wins that again, with, like, it is Red Panda tonight, it and it's Habib. Or it's Uzman. That's it. So if he yeah. wins, if he continues to win, it'd be Cerrone, Masvidal, Habib. Mm-hmm. If he beats Cerrone, but then loses to Masvidal, you always have the DS3 fight. Mm-hmm. Always. Right. That's a great fallback plan. And I guess the worst case scenario, the worst case scenario is Connor loses to Cerrone. And I think maybe in time you could get back to a position where you fight Poirier, Holloway, or maybe the DS3 fight. But right. that is like worst case scenario. But I think that's how it's going to be playing out. But who's the name who isn't mentioned so, there? It's Justin funny. Gaethje. He's never yeah. going to fight Justin Gaethje. Yeah. Well, a lot of the, the funny thing about if Connor loses this fight, that narrative that he's done. You watch no. this guy. You watch this no. guy talk and promote. He he could he's you could put him against anybody and he'll sell that fight. Yeah, yeah, not as well as if he continues to win. Of course, yeah. I do get you. Like but. if he loses to Cerrone, you can't put him against Khabib. People will riot. Like no. you, you still need to consider those kind of things. But um, it will be one of those fallback matches, which would be Holloway Poirier or, or DS three. I think DS three is always going to be there because mm-hmm. people love the fight. They love the the, the history behind it. I think DS three makes the most sense. I actually think it makes the most sense now, but. Obviously. Do you? So no, I just don't. I, I think from a promotional standpoint, there's um, they want him to win. The UFC is desperate. Let's let's make no bones about it. They want him to win this weekend, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, like under, sure. I don't think that's dodgy. I don't think that's anything. I think it's a oh, great. That, what you do as a promoter, but I also think that <laughs> it's funny because the boxing side of this starts to seep in. This is yeah, a one fight card. This is a one fight card, and it's technically a setup match. But I think the difference between boxing and MMA is that a setup match in in boxing. Almost certainly the boxer always wins. Like, the guy that you're trying to set up in boxing always yeah. wins. I think this is a tough matchup. I really do. And uh, I've been saying this since it was announced that from a, matchup, from a matchup standpoint, again, a lot of advantages for Cerrone. So we went through your kind of list of kind of attributes. But when you kind of add in all the intangibles, all the stuff going on outside, the whole pandemonium, I guess, of fight week, where, where are you on, it's what, Wednesday now? It's before the press conference. Where's your... Who, who are you going to pick? Well, again, if you're putting the two guys side by side and say, who are you picking? From a straight pick em standpoint, yeah. I would pick Conor McGregor. But if you're looking at it from the, the line value, I yeah. think that there's way too much line value on Cerrone to pass up. And I think that if you are a member of this BetOwn website that is pr- promoting this great program, mm. that you should look take a serious look at that because you have to believe... If you, if you take an odds calculator... And you can convert odds into percentages. Like, what mm-hmm. percentage? How many times would Connor have to win this fight in order to justify a minus three fifty line? Yeah, I think it's something like eighty percent. Like he would have to win the fight eighty times out of a hundred. And I just don't yeah. think that he wins this fight eighty times out of a hundred. I don't. No. I think that it's more of a fifty to sixty times out of a hundred. I think that that's that's kind of the win percentage I peg it at, which would make the line probably. I think a realistic line for this fight, if I were to set a line without taking. The, the way that the lines shift is based on public perception. Yeah. The, they'll open up a line, and then based on where the action's coming in, the line will move. There'll be so much action on Connor by Saturday, sure. right? But if I were to just make the line based strictly on the matchup, again, we got whatever, what I say, Steve Thomas versus, just Michael, like take two separate names look at the matchup, you, you probably would put Connor at around a minus 150 to minus 160. I think it actually opened at minus 160. And I think Did that, it? Okay. Yeah, and I think that that's... A more accurate line in terms of the matchup itself. But again, you bring up the intangibles, which is the mental warfare, which is the fact that Cerrone has made no secret about the fact that on Saturdays he sometimes freaks out, sometimes gets scared. He talked. He talked about it yesterday in another interview. I don't remember who it was with, but I think it was actually with your colleague at BT Adam. 
um, he talked about how as the fight gets close, nearer and nearer, mm. he thinks sometimes you think you have, oh, you're, there's two fights behind me, we've got about 30 minutes, and then suddenly there's a first round knockout, and it's like, oh my God, it's like it's now going to be in 20 minutes, and then there's another first round knockout, and it's like suddenly it's go time. Like Both things enter his mind, and he, he's pacing around the room like a, like a caged lion, but he's scared. And he said that being scared is what he loves about doing this sport. Like That's why he does skydiving, and he does all this, these extreme sports. Like That's what he lives on, is that adrenaline. Um, and I that's think why that's he a, continues to fight and why he fights so often. I think that's a fun question today. I'm going to ask him at the press conference. We'll see if it comes up before I get the microphone. But I'm going to ask him what, what he's been doing the last few weeks. Has he been skydiving? Has he been riding his motorbike? <laughs> or has he been a bit more cautious? Because there's so much money on the table. You know what we have in a motorbike? I think, I think that his answer will be that he's been doing everything and that he's which not will be fun. at all. Which will be fun, yeah. right? And I think everyone would love that. So <laughs> that's why I'm going to ask that question. I think it would be quite a, a nice moment, I hope. But you're right. There is also that intangible of him mentally. He has sometimes just not turned up the big fights, hasn't mm -hmm. he? Let's face it. And that is just, there, there are so many intangibles, both from both the Cerrone side and the McGregor side, which does make it interesting. Mm -hmm. And I did ask Cerrone that question yesterday. I said, You've, you have been saying leading up to this fight that Connor is just another fight. Yeah. just another guy you're going to be facing that he knows that millions of people are going to be watching and that, that doesn't matter. I said, But people have said that in the past you've kind of shrunk in that big moment. Um, I said, was that because it was a big moment or because on that night that guy just was better than you and just something didn't click? And he said, yeah, that's essentially it. It's like on that night, for whatever reason, that person had the better night and they were better than me. Whether or not the, the, those things played into that, he doesn't really know. But um, that is something to consider. And I mean, if you look at every big fight of Cerrone's career, whether it was in the WEC or the UFC, his title opportunities, he, they went the other way. Um, the main event against Gaethje went the other way. Now he's had main events that he's won, of course. Um, but if you look, if you look at, if you were to look at every main event he's had and you found out his record, I'd be interested to see that. Maybe I'll dig that up afterwards. But um, as an underdog, though, he's seven and seven. Yeah, which, no, I saw that. Which is a good record. Yeah. Because if you're an underdog, you're expected to lose the fight. That's what Brad Pickett mentioned yesterday. Yeah. He's like, there have been so many fights where he's come in and the underdog, and I've totally written him off. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times where he's actually come out the other side smelling of roses. So. I remember Ooh. people were like, Perry's going to smash this guy. This yeah. is, Perry's going to be yeah. way bigger than him. He's going to smash him. And that was probably Cowboy's most decisive victory of the last three years or something along those lines. I mean, the, the, the Hernandez, Hernandez was, was another one. Yeah, but another, another one where yeah, young, young buzzsaw written off. This, this is a set-up fight to build up Alexander Hernandez. And that was pretty much one-way traffic, that fight. Um, and, and again, you've got to remember, both those fights, mm. well, I, don't, well, I don't remember when the Perry one was, but the Hernandez fight and the Ally Akinda fight were both in this last year. Yeah. Like, a year ago today, those fights hadn't happened. And a year ago today, Conor McGregor hadn't fought with them. He's doing goodness knows what. And I mentioned, <laughs> and I, mentioned I, I think the number of fights that Cerrone's had, I'd have to double-check this, since Conor's last win is 11. He's had 11 fights since Conor last won mm. a fight in the UFC. So, I mean, these are, like, these are interesting things that you have to kind of consider. And I, the winning thing, we talked about this before the show, Connor not having won in three years is a big deal because layoff is a big deal, sure. But the but the thing about Connor that got to him to where he was was the momentum, the freight train of him yeah. calling his shots, winning, 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 staying busy, taking short notice opponents, all of that stuff was part of the allure of Connor McGregor, and we don't have that right now. And I think that that does matter because when you win, you have that taste in your mouth. You know, the further removed you are from that the less familiar it is. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, let, let's just end on this. Do you think we're going to get the the magic of a Conor McGregor fight week back? Because... I think it's already there. 
You think, I think it's here? Like, I, yeah, I think you look at the numbers, and, um, and that's from afar. I'm talking about here in Vegas, where we used to have oh, Irish environments hanging. It's, hanging it's hard from to light. say on a Wednesday morning. It's hard it to is, say on a Wednesday it morning. It is, but I, do, do you think we'll get it later on the year? I think, I think we will. I think on Friday we'll see a lot of people come out to support Conor McGregor at the weigh-in. Um, and I, I think we'll so. see at the I press conference so. today, and we might get an early glimpse of it. Yeah, I, I think um, I think it's gonna be very interesting. The press conference, the one against Habib was um, there was enough people there to make it a, a kind of nice atmosphere. It felt like there was quite a lot of people there. There were chants going on. I'm worried we're not gonna get that today. I think this might feel like a small time press conference. Maybe I'm wrong. You might be but wrong. I look I think, around. I think you're gonna be wrong. I look I around Vegas and I haven't seen a single Irishman. Not even Pete Carroll's there. Pete Carroll's <laughs> stuck in Philadelphia at the moment. Yeah, but it's a Wednesday. I mean. Mm. It's very early in the week, and, and even in past Conor McGregor yeah. fight weeks, they don't show up until later. Wayans, yeah, till the Wayans. Yeah, yeah, so let's, so. let's, let's let us breathe a little bit, Jim. I think you're. I think day three. I've been there three days I think already. That when you say that the Irish support has dwindled, I think yeah. that that is a fair statement, but it doesn't mean that it's gone completely. So there we go. There we go. It is Wednesday. Press conference later on this evening, and then tomorrow we'll have a full media day, which is going to go on for a very, very, very long time for us journalists. And it's all right for Aaron with his camera crew, but us one-man bands are going to suffer tomorrow because hey, we. Get I, to... I almost never have a camera crew. So That's don't, actually a don't play point. that camera crew card on me. I get That's a camera a... crew maybe twice a year. You're one of the few broadcast partners that sometimes is there one-man band. Not so sometimes. Give you that I'm almost always there as a one-man band, and well, I edit my own stuff, and I feed it all. I do it. I do it all. I take so, it all back. Yes. Yeah, so don't don't cameraman me. All right. Mr. <laughs> I take Edwards? it all back. I take it all back. Um, so yeah, we'll have the media day on Thursday. On Friday, we'll of course have official weigh-ins in the morning, um, and then we will have a, uh, the ceremonial weigh-ins later on in the afternoon. Do you think there'll be? And you might know this as a UFC insider. Do you, are we going to get a press conference like with some other fighters who are going to be up on the upcoming? I think cards? it would make a lot of sense. It would make I mean, so much is, sense. This is a big week, and if you look at the time of right now, the doors for the event I think are at three thirty or three o'clock, and. The press, the uh, weigh-ins are at five, so they're going to make people sit around for an hour and a half. Yeah, can do the math on that one. I, I think. But the, the interesting thing to me here, though, is are we going to have Khabib and Connor in the same building? Is Khabib here? I don't know. But if you're going to be promoting upcoming fights oh. at a press conference on the Friday, mm, this is interesting. So right. news, breaking news. Well, right. Not really breaking news. I don't know what, what the context of this will be, but uh, Jorge Masvidal and Kamaru Usman will be made available to press on Thursday. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Very interesting, right? Very, very interesting, yes. So, I, knew, I knew that Masvidal was here. Yeah, Masvidal was saying he was going to be here. Usman is basically always here for the Vegas Usman fight. is, well, Usman's almost at every fight. Yeah, yeah. When I was in Brazil, he was there. Wow. Like, earlier in the year for the Rose versus Andrade fight. Usman, he was on my flight. So. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing here? He's like, ah. There are so many fights this whole, Saturday, after Saturday, we will have a very good understanding, I think, of the, the future of the next few months. Yeah, like, like I said, if, if they are going to hold one of those press conferences on Friday, I think there's a solid shot that Khabib and Tony are here. It would make sense. That makes so much sense. Because they were apparently going to do a Khabib and Tony press conference at the last event, and there was a scheduling conflict on Khabib's side, from what I understand. Um, so, uh, do the math. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. Of course, the fight will go down on Saturday night. So, Aaron, thanks for your time, for everything today. You uh, helped me really, I guess, get a broader perspective of the fight itself. I think you're very correct. A lot of us are overlooking the actual stylistic matchup, and when you put those attributes down on paper, there's a lot going in the favour of Donald Cerrone. So, it's an astute um, perspective. So, there we go. 
I'm uh, signing off for today. Of course, we'll be back tomorrow where we'll be, uh, I guess, reflecting on the press conference and hopefully talking to a few more members of the MMA media. So we will see you then. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit.